Hello and welcome to another episode of What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. Hello, I am Gabriel Sanders. I've titled this next episode, Warped Society. Warped Society, and it's not a viewpoint on the world as it is today. It was actually a college comedy TV show that I took over back in my junior year of college. I went to school in the 90s at SUNY New Paltz, upstate New York, State University of New York at New Paltz. So uh, Warp Society was running for a bunch of years. I I think it was four or five years before I took over. And so I did four episodes, one per semester for the last two years I was there. But it was all me. It was a lot of things that I was writing. I was in a lot of the sketches. What it was, it was a half hour show with uh, pre-recorded, edited sketches put together for a half-hour show with commercial breaks on campus. And I hired, I brought in, I hired, (laughs) I didn't do any hiring, but I I met a lot of people who wanted to be on the show, cast and crew, and I met Will Nunziata. He was there, and I was mesmerized by him then uh, as uh, I was uh, talking to him in this conversation that we had. I followed his career after college, uh, we talk about it on the show. Uh, it was a great conversation and had uh, lightness, darkness, ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you want to reach out to me again, you can find What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders on Facebook. You can also email emailwnwgs at gmail.com. Anyway, enjoy the show. Hey, Will Nunziata. How, How are, are you? Hey. Yeah, I'm all right. Oh, wow. I haven't seen you <laughs> in a long time. 20 years? Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. No problem. I'm excited to figure out what it is. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> the reason why I have you on, uh, let me just give everyone, the, the, the three listeners that are listening, uh, <laughs> Uh, who you are. Will Nunziata, I met you in college. Yeah. Many years ago. Yeah, it was good times. That was so long ago. Wait, are people watching this or just listening? This is just going to be audio. Um, okay, good. So I can yeah. like, pick my nose. And... You could do whatever you want. I just showered. Right, I showered just because. Ooh, what's that like? I haven't done that for a while. Yeah, it's good. It's nice to do every couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on like a, like a three-day uh, cycle. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've just been like, I'm alone in New York right now. My wife and child are in Savannah, Georgia. What? Yeah. Um, we kind of, we got out of, we got out of New York after like five weeks here and then went to my in-laws in Savannah, Georgia. And then we were there and then uh, I had a mental breakdown and like, like anyone else in a movie, you know, like in a movie when people like shave their heads or get a new haircut it's like oh they're definitely going through something Mm -hmm. like i shaved my head and i'm like oh oh yeah i'm definitely going through something Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so then i came back because work was supposed to start and then as i'm on my plane to get back to new york i got an email from my boss that says we're uh we're gonna delay our opening so i'm just in new york i'm fully quarantined and waiting for work to start yeah. So your 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 child is with mm-hmm. is with your mom and they're and oh that must be so hard. Yeah, it's really it was listen, it was nice for uh like 
a couple days of a weekend to be yeah. like not a dad. Yeah. But uh, it got real lonely after after like maybe like thirty six hours. Yeah. So that's uh, that's where I am, and that's what I'm doing. <clears throat> I you know I work in movies and TV shows, and and I work in sound. But we had moved down here when I was took a break from this career and I got into fitness, and then I went back to the career because I was really suffering with income here in Florida. And when I decided to go back to New York, uh, my second girl was about one and a half, and I would go. I was going back and forth between New York and here flying mm. one to three round trips a month. And that was rough. And it's a blessing that, you know, we're all together, but yeah, uh, yeah man, that, I'm so sorry to hear that. But by the way, your, your head looks great. Thank you very you much. Have, you have a nice bald head. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I was so glad when I, when I shaved it, that it wasn't uh, nearly as lumpy or like mole ridden as uh, I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So what? And I feel the, like I feel like it makes me look tough too. It looks, so oh, I got the beard and a yeah. bald head, so I feel like I look like a like a tough guy, or like yeah. the rapper Common. Do I look like the rapper actor Common? Or he's much taller than you. I I don't know. Yeah. He could be five foot two for all I know. I met him once. Uh, he was uh has quite a good stature. Mm -hmm. yeah. Me, uh, me, yeah. like me. Very nice guy. I'm I'm sure you Skype, FaceTime, Zoom with them every day. Yeah, FaceTime is uh, is our dinner ritual. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was for us as well, but that's a much different situation. Very sorry. I mean, it's not my fault, but I just want to share, you know, empathy. That oh, I I don't know what to say because as a as a dad, that's really hard. And as as a as a you know married, you know, you just want to hug and squeeze and kiss and share the same air with them. Yeah. Um, and that is not a normal thing. You know, that's really mm. not a normal thing, uh, this whole situation. So, Will, mm -hmm. we, we met in college and I was producing a comedy show. The world's greatest college comedy show <laughs> ever. It, it only became, well, I took over. It was called Warped Society. And only mm -hmm. be when you joined and your posse joined, did it become something special? Because <laughs> I was, <laughs> you can't do a comedy show of, of, of many uh, sketches for a half hour and be in every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Think of all the, think of all the content. Um, <laughs> you guys are great. I was trying to, I was a little wannabe Lauren Michaels and the, that wasn't working for me. <laughs> well, that was the, that was like such an important step uh, when, you know, especially when you look back, uh, to my kind of comedy career and who I became as a person. Yeah. I oh. mean, in high school, I was like, this was a sketch comedy show that we did. And in high school, I loved sketch comedy. I watched it. I took it all in. It was like my favorite kind of art form. And then I would record on like this little like tape deck audio comedy that me and like my two friends would do. And I, I did it like from when I was like 12 or 13 up until college. So if you listen to this tape, I don't even know where this tape is, but you would hear my voice go from prepubescent to like a man's voice oh, like now. and like crack. Yeah. Like now, <laughs> like a nice manly voice like I have now. And uh, so like during that, you, you just heard my voice change. I, I went from this little kid uh, to this, you know, 18 year old. And then going to college was like, that's all I wanted to do is like, oh, I could do more of this. Yeah. And there's videotape. All right, cool. And then when I was done with college, or shall I say, when college was done with me, I, you know, moved to New York City and 
there goes the last 20 years of uh, doing comedy uh, in New York. And that brings us pretty much to today. I was so fascinated by you in college. And then when I, we met up briefly after college and you showed me some stand-up video of you, I was, oh, I was just uh, thinking, this is, this, is, this is who you are. And I just wanted to see more of that. And I actually remember the way you would do your shtick on stage. Mm -hmm. You had a... Um, some cards in your pocket you would you pull them out and, and you go next joke and you yeah. tell your joke and you pull out another card next joke <laughs> and that was and that was completely improvised in the moment because i like you know like any good comedian i wrote my entire set uh on the train on the way there oh good right sure. and and wrote you know basically wrote out like an idea on a card and had no idea whether or not it was funny it was untested and then I was like, oh, segues, okay, uh, next joke, that'll work. <laughs> and then you were on the path to like SNL, weren't you? Yeah, oh man, yeah, so I was, that was, that, I did that stand up, it was like three months after 9-11, mm. and mm. It, I was like 21 years old, you know, in New York City with no money in like an apartment, uh, three bedroom apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and from there, I took some uh, classes at uh, Second City, New York, and at UCB very briefly, and then got onto a sketch group. And everyone on the team was a little bit older, uh, which was good for me. And uh, we, we had a goal as a sketch group, which was to, you know, our sh short-term goal was to, have, to put up a live show in six months. And a long-term goal was to get a pilot for a TV show. And after four years, we got a pilot for a TV show on uh, TV Land. It was going to be their first oh, cool. foray into like scripted comedy. Yeah. So we did that pilot and then the pilot uh, didn't get picked up. And then uh, the group broke up because like oh. we accomplished our goals, right. uh, which is fine. And then I was a little, little sad for a little while and then found a new group and then started doing new things. I started directing and coaching. And always performing, you know, pretty much weekly, like improv and sketch at this point. I didn't do, I only did stand up for like a year. And that was, uh, it turns out to be a, a bit of a heartbreaking experience uh, because every comic that I talked to uh, hated the audience. It was like us, it was like me versus the audience. And I'm still, still this way. Like to this point, I'm like, I love the audience. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for how it makes me feel. Like it, like getting a laugh is one of the best feelings in the world. And if I can be on a stage and, and like, I love my audience. I want them to love me. Yeah. So every comic I know was very jaded and did not like uh, the audience. So I, mm -hmm. I started doing like plays and I started doing uh, live sketch and uh, improv. And then, you know, time, 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 time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I produced another show that went to the Fringe Festival and that was really good and got some auditions out of that. There was a chunk of time that I followed you around wherever you go to, to watch you on stage and watch you on improv because you were so dynamic and you had such great characters. It would just, every time I'd see you, just, I don't want to bring you down, but I, I just felt like it was such a cool thing to see like the energy of you doing it because I knew you had something in you. Um, yeah, and you were there at the beginning. Yeah, I was there at the beginning and you were just the way you would play with the camera and uh, just your space. So I guess it takes me to the question of 
from, I guess you've mentioned high school, but growing up, was that, was that your normal? Was that your normal of being, I'm, I'm the funny guy, I'm the class clown? Yeah, I guess that was, uh, that was pretty much my normal. Um, I mean, you want me to, like, what my headspace was like then, or what my headspace sure. is like now looking well, back? Well, that's a good question, because that's, that's like, it, you're, it's who you are then looking from your, out of your eyes then, or looking at yourself then, compared to who you are now, looking at yourself and looking from your eyes now, and then comparing and contrasting and how what you felt was normal or the your own norm and how that kind of weaved and what would you say to yourself then and now well i think uh for a very long time definitely throughout high school college and my early 20s i was this is looking back oblivious just oblivious to the world and how it works and what things mean and that actions have uh, repercussions. I was just floating about very happily in a world uh, of my creation. It was like, I could say and do whatever. And if it gets like a happy response, wow, that's great. That's a, that's a fun way to live. So I was really oblivious. Like, uh, what, like looking back, if I had like a regret was mm. that time that we were doing that, that show in college. I mean, there were points where that was my freshman year and there were points where people during like finals week were up all night studying, like pounding their books mm -hmm. and really like going, like they want to pass all their classes. And for me, it was like overnights in that editing studio, mm -hmm. just making sure that sketch comedy was perfect. And like, that's yeah. where, that's what I wanted to do. That's what was important to me. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, what a mistake. <laughs> uh, you know, I got kicked out of college. And so I took over the show after you graduated. Okay, I didn't know that either. Okay, first of all, you said that before, and then when college was done with you, and I didn't make that connection, that they mm. kicked you out. And I did not know that you took over Warped Society after me. You uh, took over. Yeah, Brian, yeah, I took over. I don't think we ever produced an episode in that whole year. Lots of meetings. Mm. Um, I don't know how much we filmed. It was it was also a really weird time because everything was going digital at that, like that exact year. Right. Like right. I was editing on three quarter inch tape, which uh, I don't think yeah. exists anymore. Linear then, analog yeah. editing. Yeah. And then and I learned how to do it, and I was like happy with it. And then it all went digital like during that second year, and without somebody like you to kind of guide, I was just I was like lost. Uh. Um, but yeah, that became my drive. And then I, I joined the theater department my second year and took like, you know, improv classes and directing classes and acting classes. And those classes I excelled in. I mean, yeah. I was doing what I loved, but I just didn't do any of the other classes. Like I just gave up. I'm not against college at all. Of course, I think it's very essential education, but you didn't you didn't find it for yourself. You didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't your, it didn't meet your standards. Right. Is that why? Again, I was oblivious. Yeah. Like, the, the, like nothing had any weight. Like, uh, you know, my parents and my grandparents, uh, you know, paid for my college. I worked over the summer and over the winter to give myself some spending money. I, uh, you know, was hooking up with girls. That was yeah. great. Everything was like working out. And, you know, I was doing comedy and was like, oh, I'm loving all of this. And then, again, the wheels fell off and I was just like, oh, 
Yeah. yeah, this is uh like for me, I think if I took like four years off out of high school, worked, and then maybe thought about going to college, then I, you know, I would have grown up a little bit. Is that a regret? Uh, yeah, I mean, a regret. No, I, I don't. I don't sit here and, and think about it much. I'm definitely going to tell my kid uh, when he grows up. You know, you don't need to major in theater. Like, if you want to, you know, major in the arts. I mean, don't major in business and just do the arts. Like, you mm. got it in you. Don't you know? Right. That's what I would. I would have gotten like. Uh, oh, the other way. Know, like a, a, a computer sciences degree and still been able to do comedy at the level I was doing comedy and like right. you know learned who I was as a performer and that just takes time like that wasn't taught to me it was just the experience of doing it for you know 10 years 15 years do you feel that since college that you're kind of losing your connection to to comedy or losing that I mean to you I think if if, if you don't mind me saying that comedy to you was that that was your normal bubble that was your bubble that was your norm Right? Oh, yeah. And everything around that was extra. I yeah, I lived and breathed that recycled comedy air. That's yeah. all the only thing. That's the only thing I took in. It's the only thing yeah. I cared about yeah. for a long, long time. And it was mostly inward. Like I mostly just was creating, and I I just really loved my own stuff that I was creating. And I, you know, I would watch stuff and take it in, but those were just other people creating and doing the same thing I can do. Yeah. And, but I, yeah, when I had all that time, man, I was, I was filling it with creation, which was, not, which was a, a good feeling. Uh, the college we're talking about is, is uh, SUNY New Paul's, the show is mm-hmm. Warp Society. And I still have Warp Society, still have those episodes on a VHS tape. And I still- Put them all actually, up on YouTube. There is video of me in my freshman or sophomore year before I uh, took over Warp Society uh, on YouTube. And I have a beard and I have long hair and- and uh, look very young. And there's another sketch that it was you wrote it, and it was me and I forgot her name. We're playing two uh, kids in a kitchen, mm-hmm. and we're eating sugar frosted crack cereal. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to talk about touch your eye. That was my favorite sketch. It was a, it was a board game where kids had to roll the dice, and no matter what spot you landed on, you had to touch your own eyeball. Yeah, and that was a uh, that was the one I, was, I think I was most proud of. Uh, that was that a period. genius sketch. Uh, when I, I think about that, which was came out great, was I, I remember getting to an argument with someone about something, and I had to walk away. And I and one or both of us were were a complete asshole. And since then, we became friends. Oh yeah. I, I haven't talked to him years, but I remember we like you know, made up. Uh, there was touch your eye, and another thing that I remember there was. Oh, there was something that never made the cut. There was two things that never made the cut from Warp Society. Uh, there was something that we shot that never made it. And there was an idea that we had that never even was shot. One was where we we're going to have a, con- a consistent thread in the background in every sketch where someone is carrying someone over their shoulder. Uh-huh. Uh, for some reason, it had nothing to do with the sketch. It was someone is carrying someone else on their shoulder in the background. But another sketch that we shot, and I've always loved... And we shot it all and it didn't cut or whatever it may be. And that was a, it was like a headache drug or something. Uh-huh. Something very simple. You just, t- you know, you have a headache, you take it. But there would be a long list 
of horrible side effects. Right. And so you're, you're bleeding out of your ears, uh, whatever it may be, but there was like, we shot all this stuff happening to this person. And then there's even more stuff. There was a whole scroll of side effects just because of this one headache pill. And I thought that was a hysterical thing and it just never made it. Huh. Yeah. But I do remember there was one sketch we did where I, you know, you're in a dress and we're dancing to, I think I love you, da 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 da, da in a field. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, we were running down a hill holding yeah. hands. Yeah. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched that in a very long time. Uh, I should. Uh, because my memory, man, is so shot. Uh, you know, memory is funny. There are monumental occasions that I've forgotten just because I, I, I rely on like other people and stories yeah. uh, to kind of like keep memories alive. And there was this one time I took this trip with uh, my school. Um, we were in Venice, uh, Italy. And there was a couple that was going up the stairs with this baby buggy and the baby buggy tipped over and the baby flew out of the carriage and I was behind them on the stairs and I caught <gasps> the baby Whoa! and I handed them the baby and they were like shocked. They took the baby and, and they went away. I completely forgot about this, that this ever happened. You would think this is like, this is like heroic of me. I, yeah. I, I why like this you should caught... imprint on my, yeah. I caught a baby midair. And then 10 years later, I was hanging out uh, with my friend Melissa, who was on the ship. She's like, remember when you caught that baby? And I'm like, what? Mm. Like that baby that you got. I'm like, oh, I have no idea. Oblivious. Again, yeah. oblivious sums up uh, the first half of my life. So unaware of, of anything. And that was uh, my normal. So uh, growing up, from what I hear from like comics and comedians, that they're always on the outside looking in or on the, in their own group they're, um, or being called weird, but just going with it and living it and loving it. Um, did you find yourself growing up that because you got into comedy, there was a reason they got into comedy where you mocked it all or, or you felt Oh, like um, yeah, a lot of comedians say they had like, you know, the reason why you're a comic is because you had like an awful childhood. Right. Right. And like, like, you know, you were beat or things were terrible and like the only thing to get out was comedy. Like I had a wonderful childhood. My parents were amazing and loving and supportive. Mm. I guess for me, like I was always like a fat guy. I was a fat kid. I'm a fat adult. And that's always been a part of, of who I am. So I guess, I mean, my dad was also really funny. So I think comedy just came as a natural uh, this is me analyzing yeah. myself then. Yeah. Uh, it was just like a, a natural, like deterrent, like, you know, you know, don't fuck with me because, you know, I can destroy you in, you know, seven words or less. So that's how you handled, that's how you handled. I, I, I think yourself. so. But I, but I also, I don't remember ever getting bullied. I've never been punched in the face. I've never punched anyone in the face. I was always like nice and kind as far as I remember. Uh, I have a dark sense of humor, but yeah. uh, it was I never did uh, dark things. Did you ever have dreams about getting punched or, or punching other people? No, my dreams, uh, I don't really have dreams. Oh. Uh, okay. For a while, I thought it was because I just, because I smoked pot. And I thought it was like, that's just, you know, that's like a side effect of smoking pot. You don't have like 
dreams that you can remember it all. So anytime in my life where I've taken like a step away, I definitely have like vivid dreams, but I don't really have any dreams yeah. that I remember as a kid. Really? Yeah. I have yeah. vivid dreams. I have dreams that I still remember from when I was a child and they're all around because I was such a couch potato. They all involved characters from TV shows mm. and they're scary. No, I had, I had one nightmare as a kid that I remember vividly. Uh, and it was, I was trying to run away from something and I looked at my knees and like, I was oh, like, these knees aren't helping me run. So I kind of like grabbed my kneecap and then I slid my kneecap all the way down, all the way down my, my leg to my ankle. Mm. And, uh, and then my knee only bent at my ankle. And so I was like the stilt and I was trying to run, like, but my knee was like, I could slide it anywhere on my leg. It's the only kind of nightmare I remember. But like, I woke up, I remember waking up and I'm, I, then I remember going, wow, that was a weird dream. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, there was always like an understanding that it was a dream. Mm-hmm. So growing up, you're in their bubble, uh, you're oblivious to everything else, you're going through life and then reality sets in. Did you feel the reality, if you want to flip it, the reality around you was not normal to you or i mean to a point to an extent i still live within that bubble mm. uh that bubble is definitely around me it's a lot smaller and more deflated yeah. uh, than it was at that time but i think you know when i when i hit like 30 years old and uh i met my wife and then we got married well we moved in together then we got married then we had a kid and now he's you know four and a half years old and now I'm 40. I think my 30s were very much like a deflating of that that bubble that I only existed in oh. to kind of let other people into that bubble and deal with, you know, just fucking real life situations. Like, you know, yeah. we need money for this. We need to do this. We need to yeah. do this. Like, uh, yeah. how do how, how do we do that? And how do how do I stay within um, like my bubble of normal? How do we react? How do we deal with everything else around us? So yeah, and I think and yeah. like for me, it was all tied into also with just growing up. Mm-hmm. Like I did not grow up or even start to grow up until I met my wife, and like she, you know, you know, very beautiful, lovely woman has really helped me. Uh, just like like bills, like like Gabe, I had like a credit card. I got a credit card in college. It was a Discover card. And I remember they, they offered them in like uh, the student union building, the Discover card, card applications. And I just went, oh, this is wonderful. I could just use this to buy everything I need. Mm-hmm. And then I would just buy things with it, oblivious. <laughs> and then like, you know, a, the bill would come like a month later and I'd be like, oh, I don't have that. Let me pay a little bit. And then I moved to, I moved to New York City with like nothing. Like, I, you know, I don't come from, from money or anything. So it was, there was just no money to be had. And, you know, very little money was ever earned. But I moved to the city and then like, our roommates are like, all right, we need to buy some furniture. So I'm like, okay, uh, I'll use my credit card. And you guys just give me cash. Great. Mm-hmm. So we bought a whole big furniture set and I put that right on the card. And it was like, great, look at this. In my pocket, I have my first month's rent. This all works out great. <laughs> and then you know, cut to, you know, six, seven years later, when I've cut up this credit card and just stopped uh, using it, I also just stopped opening the mail that arrived. <laughs> like I'd get, I'd get the bill and I'd go, 
oh no this isn't no this i don't need to do this and just throw it away and they're like and it wasn't like it was like maybe two thousand dollars worth of debt yeah that just interest upon interest upon interest oh, no. just built up and it, i think at one point it was up to like eight thousand dollars and then uh, yeah and then i was like oh then i'm like 30 and my wife was like so what do you have set up for retirement i'm like oh yeah 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 retirement huh huh yeah well first i got to take care of this debt what do you mean it's like well this debt that i had uh from eight years ago that i just ignored okay so i yeah thanks, I, wife. <laughs> the show we had was called warped society and warped you know is another name for for weird did that word ever come into your into your universe the word weird weird uh no when I was a kid, you know, I had like in high school, I had like long hair and like I dyed it pink and I dyed it green. And I was like, a, you know, like a freak rock and roll kid. That was kind of like my main kind of group, like very grungy, very, yeah. uh, you know, like that post Nirvana, you know, rock and roll kid, which was probably the normal for the time. Yeah. I, I honestly, this is how oblivious I was. I completely believed that everybody else used their brain the same way I used my brain. Like thought about the things that I thought about, uh, reacted to things the same way I thought about. I had a real disconnect with the, and I still do, with the emotion of anger. I Maybe I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've ever been like angry in my life. Really? Yeah, like just zero disconnect for anger because it always felt like a, like a, like a waste of an emotion. It's like, why am I going to, you know, spend all this time being angry about this thing that I can't control? Uh, it just, it just seemed like pointless. It's like, why am I obsessing and getting angry about this or about that? It's like, I can't change that either way. I'm not that person. I can't change the way that person, like, there's, there's no reason for me to get angry. It doesn't, there, there's no sense in it. I still have that feeling it's not completely there i still i, I get frustrated but yeah. but anger I, I never i never really had anger i wish that I didn't was have normal that. that's normal and, and i and i also thought yeah. at the time that there are a lot of people who must feel this way because i'm a person you're a person we're all people we all have the same you know shit that goes on yeah and it, it really took me until my my late 20s to realize it's like oh not everyone thinks this way at all. As a matter of fact, people think a lot of different ways. And it, mm -hmm. it really took me looking outside myself. Oh, it's like, every, why, like, why isn't everyone on the same page as me with this, you know, comedy idea? It's like, oh, because everyone is working differently. And they have a different set of things that have influenced them. Again, and that's, that was like the start of me coming out of my oblivion, which was also like incredibly uh, uh, self-centered you know, borderline narcissistic point in my life. Um, yeah, but it took me, it took me late to realize that uh, what I thought was normal was not what everyone else thought was normal. I didn't consider myself weird. I didn't consider anybody weird. Like we're all just people, but right. in my head I was just like, but we all think about the same things, right? And we don't no. at all. Right. Just the yeah. fact that you don't believe in that emotion. Or you can't, you I believe, I, I believe it exists. Right. Uh, Later in my life, I've, I've tried to connect with it. Like you've tried to be like, angry. I'm, I've tried to be angry. It's like, I, I like, I remember like purposefully, like 
I went through this breakup. It's really bad, like the breakup that you get in your life. Yeah. And it was like, you know, this this girl, she was a few years older than me. She was gorgeous. Um, you know, she was like, you know, a freak in the sack. Uh, we, you know, we, we dated three and a half years and she cheated on me and she left me mm. uh, for this older guy who was also in the comedy world. And I remember like, I was like, oh, this is something that a human being should be angry about. Yeah. And I remember really trying to like, like puppeteer anger out of myself. Wow. And I remember it was like, ah, I would like an angry person screams. And I remember like scream in my Brooklyn apartment. So I remember like screaming as loud as I could into my pillow. And I just, I, I like, I saw myself from outside of myself. I'm like, what are you doing? You look like mm. a dummy. Just wow. screaming into your pillow like a real dummy. What are you going to do next? Punch, punch your wall? You're going to yeah. hurt your hand or break your wall? Like why? Yeah. Like, wow. like just fucking deal with it. Growing up, I had my own issues. I did punch walls a couple of times. I think I almost broke my, my knuckle once. I was going through my own issues. And for me, that was like a year-ish after I was in a major accident, you know, and I was almost killed. And I was, no, not, no, not when I lost my fingertips when I was two, two and a half. No, when I was 15, I was hit by a car. Oof. I was hit by a car and I, I almost died. I was on my support. And uh, for a couple of years, I was dealing with, you know, when at that time as a boy or at that time for any person, any child, you're dealing with a lot of life questions, big life questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had multiple head trauma and all this. And I was going through therapy, mental therapy, physical therapy, and I was dealing with my own issues. And I would punch the wall a couple of times. Or I would go outside and I'd find a big mound of hard ice or snow. And I'd punch the snow until I saw blood. Yeah. And I also started getting into uh, poetry to, to open up, to get it out. And I think that for me, comedy was, I guess for, for many people, was to look at the other, the flip side of it, to help as, as a therapy. I, and I followed stand-up comedy. I followed many comics. I saw them go from little shows on TV to, to big names and uh, even back in, in like uh, some names back in like Vaudeville time and, and the show of shows and all those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would help me. And, and I think just, just becoming a couch potato for me was, was like, I can't deal with other issues. I'm going to watch these other shows that deal with the issues for me or mm -hmm. sum up the show at the, or sum up the movie at the end. And if there's a to be continued, I'd be like, ah. Oh. Why we there's why is there uh, why is this episode of Punky Brewster lasting three episodes? I like you know, <laughs> I, it's, I I, I want to find out what's going on. You want to control? Uh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. And you want to control because because I mean I think trauma, yes. trauma is is a huge like advancement perhaps in like the psyche. I hit my own, like, I, like right around the time I met my wife, I also went through a huge trauma in my life. I lost like a, a best friend, oh. you know, I found, I found his body kind of like, like trauma. And that was, that was life changing. That was like, that was real. It was 29, 28, 29. And that was just like, boom, oh shit. We're all going to die one day, you know, make the most like figure life out. And I think, and that was my version of trauma. That was my wake up call. You just might've gotten your wake up call, you know, at 15. 
Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. yeah, I use my experiences getting into accents because that was that was the biggest one, but not the only one as a learning experience. I, I used to say that I have I have a tattoo now, but why should I get that tattoo? I have so many scars in my body, and they tell more of a story. That was my normal. Right. My normal growing up was how am I gonna, how and where and and why am I going to get hurt now, and. For me, I was being mocked. I'd be mocked for my name. I'd be mocked for my missing fingertips. I've, no one, you know, the people who don't know, because we do have listeners, um, I'm missing uh, fingertips on my uh, pointer finger, my middle finger, my right hand, because I was playing with a bicycle when I was just two and a half. Uh, with everybody outside, my brother, my older brother, who's seven years older, my sister, six years older, and their friends, everybody was outside and and the baby is over there playing with a bicycle. And that was just after getting a cast removed off my left arm. Oh. I'd fallen off a slide in front of our elementary school. And then also probably got head trauma and, and broke my wrist. But that was after, that was, after, that was actually my second accident because my first accident, apparently I was crawling next to my mom as she walked down the hall and I crawled into a wall and I got a hairline fracture on my head. So oh my when my, yeah, my head again. So uh, on my, when the third accident happened, my mom tells me and, uh, that, uh, and she's told other people, it's not a secret, that the doctor, one of the doctors walked her down the hall and had a special meeting with her. What's going on with your child getting into all these accidents? You know, because they were thinking other things. But so I had, I was going through a lot of questioning of myself, I guess, throughout yeah. my whole life. And at the same time, you know, getting mocked as a child for my accident, for my fingers, for my name, I guess. I love your fingers. Gabe, you love I love your fingers. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Wait, yeah. why did people make fun of you for your name? Oh, Gabriel. Uh, get, you, know, it, you know, again, this is the 80s and these are kids. And to me, it was a big thing. Uh, I, I went by Gabe then. Yeah. And there was, you know, you're still Gabe to me. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I don't really, I don't introduce myself as Gabe. I'm Gabriel, and that became uh, Gabriel right after college. But there was like gay, but or gay boy, and uh, stupid things like uh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good. That's a solid joke. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. And yeah. I was, <laughs> and I was called <laughs> weird, and that's why I, I thought, wouldn't this be a great topic for a a podcast to me not having it not connecting with uh an emotion of anger i for many years i did not want to go there i couldn't right. go there being angry i had a relationship where i couldn't voice that of myself um for a while and i couldn't defend myself and that right. was based on how i would react to because i was the youngest child six years my sister seven for my brother and if there's ever tension, I had to bottle up inside because I didn't want mm. there to be tension. I didn't want to be anger or arguments. But now uh, I met my amazing wife, Carrie, and because of her, maybe it was me as well. I'm sure it was me as well of, of opening up that side of myself, going through a lot of writing and going through my own, I guess, my spirituality time. I went through a, a period a couple of years before I met Carrie of meditation and spirituality mm. and becoming a personal trainer and yoga and all this stuff and kind of dove into myself 
and you would think that'd be like a more like a peaceful situation, but uh, that also dug out a lot of things with me. And so, yeah, my wife and I bicker and I do yell and I found myself yelling at my kids and it's a horrible thing and I hate doing it and, and I need to work on that for myself. And that I don't, even when I yell, I feel to myself at that time in my head, that is not normal. If that mm. is normal, is that normal? So it's interesting to, to hear that from you, that you can't, you can't even do that. I, I, I mean, I know how, I'm an actor, so, you know, I can, I can fake it. Yeah. And uh, I could even like uh, present it publicly, but like deep in my heart of heart of hearts, like, those wires don't connect, hmm. you know, it's like, and, and yeah, and, and it's probably to a fault in my life. Like I, there are, there are moments in my life where I should have been angry and maybe anger would have led to uh, righteousness or fighting harder for myself or being a better person, like coming out on the other side of anger and like doing that, the rebuilding that you must do and like making your foundation stronger. But you know, and, and I just like avoided, I think, a lot of that personal work. Yeah. yeah, because I never went through the anger phase. So I never had to go and teach myself the rebuilding phase. Do you ever think about, you said that you kind of try to do it, right? You try to be angry. Is it the buildup of, of fire inside you that you don't want to uh, feel? Or is it the, the sound that you'll make from yelling? Is it the, the, the head tension that you get from being angry? It would be like, I, I don't know what the fire inside feels like or what the head tension feels like. But like for me, I think it's more of like, like I've always trusted myself and trusted uh, that I'm doing the right thing. And it seems like if you let anger in, it just like short circuits all those wires and like you don't do the right thing or you're not in control of, of your output. Mm. And I think for me, it's just like, why would I ever turn that switch on? It's like, yeah. there's, there's no need for that. You know, if I'm a computer, there's no need for like the anger circuit to ever really be connected. Right. So I've never like, I've never nurtured it. So it's just not there, you know, but, and, and if I analyze myself, I think that's, that's not good. And I'm assuming like, if you, if you talk to friends and, and you know my wife and like you know and exes and family they'll probably tell you stories of when i've been angry yeah but uh again it's not something i, I ever held on to did you feel that when you were growing up you you took that disconnect from that from your parents that was your upbringing or were or was there was there anger was there yelling and you said i don't want to i don't want to i want to switch that off no that, that the house was filled with love they could be again, love they're going to be angry oblivious again oblivious to a right. lot of stuff that was happening like getting lost in my own world and that was more important than like what was going like me playing with gi like playing with gi joes in my house in my room would i would be so in, like, you know involved in the storylines that i created with these gi joes that you know somebody could be at the door and like hello i'm talking to you and i wouldn't even yeah. know that they're there like right. just like I was just really focused and uh so yeah I mean there was uh there's no rage but there's definitely like like parental like my parents would 
you know, get angry that we didn't do a chore or didn't do, um, you know, some sort of like somewhat menial task in the, in the big picture. But there was never anger, anger about like, like a big picture kind mm-hmm. of thing that I, have, that I ever witnessed. Oh, the only time I ever saw anger was in like movies. Really? Well, that's truly inspiring, man, because that I, I need. Or I lucky. Need to, yeah. Or unlucky. I don't, I don't, I, we'll I don't know. We'll find out when I die. We'll find mm-hmm. out when I die whether, whether or not it's been lucky or unlucky. You're, like you said, the normal is different for everybody. You know, my normal is as far as being angry or yelling is something that I want to, you know, I, I don't like to use the word fix. It was something I learned in yoga. You don't fix, you can correct. Mm-hmm. You know, I run a support group for dads yeah, yeah. Uh, on Facebook uh, called New Dads Place. And I brought this topic up actually yesterday. I put up a post on New Dads Place. I yell a lot. Do you? And I'm just getting a, a long list of responses. A lot of people say no. Some people say yes. And one person said the way they control their if they feel like they're going to yell, they whisper. Mm. And I thought that's also a great thing to do. You ever feel like something is becoming a normal or becoming a norm and you don't want that to become the norm to you? Other people may just see you as that is who you are, but you feel like something, this is becoming repetitive and I don't want that to happen. How am I going to stop it? Give me an example. Just the way you react to someone uh, or the, the way you do a habit. I guess it's like a habit that you feel like, oh, I'm been, this is repetition. Uh, I, I've done this before. I've done it again. I had the same response. I had the same reaction. I should go this way instead of that way. Oh, okay. my, no. My, my life is up until, let's, let's, let's talk about this like pre-COVID-19. Yeah. Like my life was ruled by routine, by uh, you know, addiction to a point to uh my what was my normal routine like i definitely like before my kid was born i'm the guy that would be up until three in the morning making playlists playing video games watching crappy movies go to bed for six hours wake up go to work uh go hang out with my friends come back my wife would go to bed early i would have like my own time at night and then when i had my kid i started to have to like wake up at before it was you know there's no more I used to wake up, jump, literally jump out of bed, jump in the shower, get dressed, like go to work, get yeah. like a bagel or coffee on the way. Like I would give myself so precious little time to make a mistake or, and if, you know, if I woke up too late for the shower, no, we're not having a shower that day, you know, put an extra deodorant. But now I wake up four or five hours before I have to do anything because I have, you know, a kid. Yeah. And, you know, that kid needs to eat. Yeah. So I got really used to the routine of, of being a dad, waking up, making breakfast, making coffee, getting dressed. She's in the shower. I'm on the kid. I'm in the shower. She's on the kid. Like bring him to school, go to work, come home. Like routine. I had the podcast that I listened to on the way to and from work. Yeah. I had my, you know, the game I played on my phone on the bus. I had like, my life was routine. I could tell you like three years from now, I'm going to be doing the same exact thing. Like my life was fully compartmentalized right. in every way. Like I had it all down and then mm-hmm. COVID started and like my routine went out the window. 
uh, schedule, all the things. I, it, it just like, it got flushed down the toilet. And it's like, here's the new normal. This is a new normal. Yeah, and they're in Savannah. Separated yeah, uh, listen, your... listen. I was in Savannah for three months uh-huh. with my in-laws for three months. They're, yeah. They are lovely people. I love them with all my heart. But I've been on my own since I was 20. And I, 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 I had, I've had two panic attacks in my life. And one of them was while in Savannah. When I got there, I shaved my head because I wanted to do something that was within my control. And mm-hmm. my hair was in my control. I can shave it off my head. I can do it. I can control that. And I had now have three other adults, my in-laws and my grandmother-in-law, that are all on my kid 24-7 that are, are loving this new grandparent time. So, like, my dad duties have been relaxed. Yeah. Um, my wife is working like crazy from home, like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. behind the computer. She's stressed, but she also doesn't have to worry about being a mom necessarily at that point mm-hmm. because we have three other adults that all have it under control. Yeah. And I had this moment in the middle of the night where, like, it's like, wow, I've been in Savannah longer than I've ever been anywhere else that wasn't my address, like where the place where I get my mail. And it's like, it, it really like took me on this like loop that just replayed in my brain. It's like, you're away. Like you spent your whole life on your own, like doing like your world, your, your life. You had the schedule that you created. And it's like everything that you've built and that you've been working towards is now gone. Yeah. And like this thought just circled, circled, circled. And I couldn't get out of my head and I just couldn't breathe. I kept thinking I had like, felt like I swallowed a bunch of hair. And like, I couldn't breathe because all my hair was getting stuck in my throat. And I just, I just, I was hyperventilating. I just, and I just kind of like, it was like, I had like a breakdown. And that was fucking weird and fucking hard. And uh, I took a Xanax. And uh, I took more Xanax in those first four weeks than I did in the first, you know, five years that I had. A Xanax prescription. Wow. How, how are you like, right now? I'm Zen, baby. Yeah. Uh, like after that, I, I, I was like, I need to go home for a week. You know, we have checks sitting on the counter. We have all this mail. Let me go home for a week. Let me get the house in order and I can bring stuff back. We also, we, we were only planning on being there for two weeks. So I had five pants and five shirts. Mm-hmm. And after then we were there for a month and a half. And I'm like, my life has now come down to five shirts. Like, I only have five shirts to wear. This is also another thing that I was like, kept going on in the loop. It's like, at my home, I have, I literally have 45 shirts and I can wear whatever shirt. While I'm here, I only have five shirts. I am like, I'm only a five shirt person. And what the fuck is going on in my life? Like, I need more shirts. And like, just the whole, the whole, I was just repeating, repeating, repeating. And then I went home, got the house in order, got all my stuff, brought like, Brought some goddamn shorts to Savannah. All I brought was like pants because we were only supposed to be there for two weeks. So then when I got back to Savannah, I was there for another four weeks and very much at peace. I found the normal in there. I accepted that the old routines were over. I'm here in a very beautiful place in this very big house and there's a big lawn and like it's quiet. And I I know I live in the middle of the city. Like I'm on the 15th floor. 
right near a bridge. Like all I hear is traffic and it's a small New York City apartment. And like, I'm lucky I live in a house and I have people helping out with my kid. So I had this, this whole panic attack about it and then went back to Savannah and felt great. Like I got past whatever that, that BS was about yeah. my life and who I am. And then I had to come back for work and then they canceled or delayed the opening of my work. So now I'm just home alone. I just have a question. Uh, sure. What does normal mean to you? I don't think there's such a thing. I don't think, I don't think normal exists. Like normal is what everyone else is doing, right? Isn't that like kind of the definition? When, what everyone else is doing? Yeah. Isn't that like the collective of everyone, what's happening is normal? Because of course it is, because it can't be anything else. Like what we're all doing is normal because that's what life is. It's, it's a slow grind and, you know, we get through it. Some of us do, some of us don't. Every little moment changes the next little moment. Normal, normal is right this second. This is normal right now. This is it. Uh, I can't tell you, you know, I don't know if a half hour ago was normal. Uh, I don't know if a half hour from now is going to be normal. But right now, yeah, right now is normal. Yeah, thank you, so, thank you for that. Thank you so much for wanting to talk. Oh, um, it's great to talk. I haven't spoken to you. This is what, what a wonderful uh, excuse uh, to talk yeah. to Gabe Sanders for the first time in uh, a long time. Long time. And we get to put it on, and like, you know, you, you appealed to my sense of needing to talk to masses of people, the threes <laughs> and fours of your listeners. Very excited uh, to be able to talk to a bunch of people. Gabe, when do I get to throw my plugs in? Can I throw in some plugs? Do it. All right. So uh, my name is Will Manziata. Uh, I'm an actor and a comedian in New York City. You might have seen me on uh, commercials uh, and cut out of some of your favorite television shows. Uh, but I also uh, have a podcast called God Ween Evan. Uh, and it's all about my favorite band in the whole world, Ween, and how we're trying to get my friend Evan to like the band. We've been doing it for four years, trying to force Evan to like this band, Ween. If you've never heard the band Ween, check them out. They're the greatest band in the world. God, Ween, Evan. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, Gabe. <laughs> Gabe, thank you. Bye, Gabe. Love your face. Love your beard. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hello, and thank you for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact me on Facebook, What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders on Facebook. You could also email me at emailwnwgs at gmail.com. If you have uh, anything you want to say, please feel free to reach out to me there. Have a great day.